0: Hello everyone, how are we doing? Happy New Year, we're back with another book review and the book review we're going to be looking at today is A Hunter-Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century by Heather Haying and Brett Weinstein this book here why did I choose this book? I'd seen a few people um, had read it and referred it to me and said it was good, it was worth a read when I spoke to Ed Cunningham from a need to read he advised to when you get a book, sit down and set an intention as to what you want to get from the book. When I flipped flipped through the book before I started reading it and it reminded me of um Noval Yoval Hari Homo sapiens. Very much the same same kind of idea as that. And basically it is, it's is—it's telling you all about how the world is changing too fast for us to adapt to. That's the basic premise of the book. So Hunters, Gatherers, Guide to the 21st Century. The book is brought down into all different kind of aspects of modern life. Medicine, food, sleep. Sex and gender, parenthood, childhood, school, adulthood, culture and conscience. And each chapter speaks about how this subject was approached when we were hunter-gatherers and we had not yet evolved to where we are today. And then it talks about the, the novel approaches. And novel is a big word in this book. Let me see if I can turn that light down a little bit. Yeah, so the novel approaches that we've really come up with in the 21st century. Really interesting book, challenging book as well. Um, in a good way, though, not a book that I could, I had to keep putting it down, thinking about what was said. So it wasn't immediately. wasn't one that I, s- I sat and read. That son is really bad, hang on. So it wasn't one that I immediately um, read from cover to cover. And it took a while for the information to process, to be honest. Let's get into it. So the world is changing too quick for us to adapt to the main premise of the book. It refers to the the Western world as the acronym WEIRD, W-E-I-R-D. And this stands for Western, Educated, Industrialized, Rich, and democratic. That's how he describes the Western world. One of the themes running through the book from start to finish, and this, some of the ideas that I'm going to talk about. There's quite a lot to get through, so I apologise if this is a long book review. But it was it was fascinating. This is only a small percentage of the content in this book. It really was in the same vein as Sapiens and Homo Deus. That same kind of book. The first chapter, similar to Homo Sapiens, he puts it in perspective as to where we are today. So if you think about a year, we've just started the new year now, 2022. If you think from New Year's day in 2022, all the way through to December the 31st, 2022, that whole year. Humans in this form, Homo sapiens, in, in civilized. One minute to midnight on the 31st of December, if you take a calendar year. That's how small and minute our existence is in the, the whole existence of the earth, which puts it into perspective a little bit. The book is that we've created these things and technology and these aspects that in the current Western world, civilization, they're happening quicker than our bodies can adapt to. So Chesterton's Fence, they talk a lot about Chesterton's Fence, and let me just refer to the book. Chesterton's Fence, named for the turn of the 20th century philosopher and writer, J.K. Chesterton, the man who first described it. Chesterton's Fence urges caution in making changes to systems that are not fully understood. It is thus a concept related to the precautionary principle. Chesterton wrote this of a fence or a gate erected across the road. So one person goes up and discusses the fence and says, I don't see the the point in this. Let us clear it away. A more intelligent type of person will answer, if you don't see the use of it, then there's no way I'm going to let you get rid of it. Go away and think. Then when you can come back and tell me that you do not see the use of it, I may allow you to get rid of it. The example that they give in the book is about the appendix. So the appendix was never thought to have been have any point to it. It was pointless. Um, So they wanted to get rid of it. This was the idea behind Chesterton's fence. Once they actually researched what the appendix was for, it just seemed like a a banal piece of, I believe it's a piece of skin that hangs off the the intestine. Um, It actually, in times of disease and viruses and stuff and the actual I'm paraphrasing as well, by I'm by no means no scientist or doctor. Um all the bad bacteria jumps onto the appendix in your body in times of infection in the body. So it pulls it away kind of from the more important organs. I think I've got that right. If that makes sense. <laughs> Anyway, so this idea of Chesterton's fence just getting rid of something because it doesn't seem at the time to make any sense. So they, they use the phrase just because you can doesn't mean that you should like the phrase in Jurassic Park when they're questioning whether or not they should bring back the dinosaurs and Jeff Goldblum's character is like just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Didn't question that in Jurassic Park and inevitably it ended up going tits up. But anyway, the same idea applies. So we looked at medicine and this idea of reductionalism, page 63. Sorry, I'm going to be flitting through the book here because there are some bits that are really, really important. So we're missing this reductionist idea in medicine. So they talk about dissecting animals to do tests on and stuff like and So it just goes to show that when doctors prescribe, this is one of the issues in the book, doctors prescribe um, the same antibiotics, the same pills for each individual, the same idea, but we're not all the same. Even though we look the same, we are not all the same. And to the point in the book, comparative anatomy is nominally about comparisons between species, but comparing individuals within a species Is in some way even more elucidating. So the attachments of muscles. In humans. Never. Never differ. So we've all got the same muscles. That attach themselves at the same point. However. There are large differences. There are large differences in. Circulatory systems. So, jugular veins, for example, can follow different paths. So, what were one of my veins might start in the lower abdomen, it might go all around the body a certain way. In someone else, it'll be different. So, the particularity is not critical. But it contributes to the difficulty of predicting whether a solution that works for one person will work for another because it takes a longer time to get to its destination. If that makes sense, so why would you, why would you give one person a pill and the other person the same pill? The reason why it might not work is because it, it doesn't follow the same path around the body. So that was a reductionist attitude. They talk about a reductionist attitude, especially in the in medicine. Um, novel approaches, they talk about this and this goes into the diet aspect of it um, so pills and processed food to get vitamin D into your body, they'll give you a pill, vitamin D pill while that sun's bright so they they talk about Vikings and the Vikings never suffered with rickets because it was thought that they were eating a lot of cod cod I suppose it has a lot of vitamin D in it but there was zero evidence later on when we've, we've evolved and, disc- and done scientific studies there was zero evidence to support the fact that vitamin D kept bones strong so it was another a novel approach a reductionist approach that the quick fix so it's vitamin D would give someone vitamin D but there was no evidence to support that the vitamin D kept bone strong, which I found strange because everyone's always promoting that out there. So it was found that lack of vitamin D is a symptom rather than a cure. And it was the same idea again behind. Um, sunscreen protection so again a novel approach hunter-gatherers would not have hidden or protected themselves from the sun they wouldn't have had that they wouldn't have had sunscreen Um, and one of the things that they found in the study was that as sun exposure goes down as you protect yourself more from the sun by either lathering yourself with sunscreen or not going out in the sun to get vitamin d Blood pressure actually goes up. So does heart disease and strokes. So the reductionist thinking around vitamin D is you need to go out in the sun. But then protect yourself from too much sun. When sun exposure goes down, blood pressure goes up, heart disease goes up and strokes go up. (laughs) And he says in the book, Related to the reductionist thinking around vitamin D is the fact that for decades now we have received a nearly universal recommendation to slather ourselves with sunscreen whether or in the sun. Reduce your exposure to the sun, the logic goes, and skin cancer rates fall. This is true. However, what goes up when sun exposure goes down? Blood pressure, risk of heart disease and stroke. People who avoid the sun have higher overall mortality rates than do people who seek it. A research study showed a remarkable result. Non-smokers who avoided sun exposure had a life expectancy similar to smokers in the highest sun exposure group, indicating an avoidance of sun exposure is a risk factor for death of a similar magnitude as smoking. So the reductionist theory has, has done us again. Again, this novel approach, this reductionist idea that one affects the other. The book is full of these little little, um, little bits of studies, little um, conclusions, little bits that you can go, wow, I didn't even think about that. Like, We've always been told to not spend too long in the sun, reduce your sun exposure. But yeah, you need exposure for vitamin D, but too much causes cancer, but not enough. <sighs> Minefield, innit? Minefield. Minefield. This this next um, was quite, appealed to me quite a bit. He speaks about mental health. Um, I speak a lot about mental health on the podcast. And people have been talking about this subject for a while and it, it it's worth repeating whether you've heard it before. But before the novel approach of just being prescribed a pill, so before you go taking a pill and being prescribed a pill, Question whether you're sleeping correctly, question whether your diet's on point, whether you're doing physical activity. All those three things should be questioned and looked at before you even start to go down the medication route, the antidepressants route. Yes, they have a place, people can use them, they benefit people. But those three factors first and foremost, sleep, diet, physical activity, question that before you start looking for medication. It's the same thing about COVID. They talk about COVID a little bit in the end of this book. And one thing that I was thinking, and it's been repeated on Joe Rogan, so you've probably heard this before, but yeah, you're being told to get your vaccines, your boosters and all this, but what you're not being told is those who are more at risk of getting COVID are the ones who have underlying health conditions due to the fact that the people are overweight. So the safest thing you can do to protect yourself from COVID or being ill from getting COVID more to the point is just lose some fucking weight lose weight get healthier get fitter so your body can battle against these kind of viruses there's loads of good stuff in this book honestly I could go on for days and I would be doing it an injustice by going through and and telling you all the different things about this book because it's just worth reading there's loads of good stuff so um. One thing that he discusses about childhood, and I think some of these might just be separate podcasts because they're, they're just solid gold. He talks about childhood. Um, the question that he poses, does a butterfly remember being a caterpillar? Um, and he, he links that to social media. The problem with social media that we've got today, that from a very young age, kids are putting images of themselves or the parents are putting images of themselves on social media. So the permanent reminders of an earlier time. Permanent reminders of an earlier time. So that child, what they're saying in the book, will always remember when they're growing up an earlier time in their life, which may may help them, which may make them struggle really embracing adulthood and changing. Because we all change. I'm not the same person that I was in my teens I'm not the same person I was in my twenties but having these constant reminders of yourself from an early age of who you were images thoughts may make it more difficult for these young people in today's age to really embrace growing up and therefore changing who they are when I was reading this bit of the book the first thing that came to mind really was the Only Fields and Horses episode um, Trigger when he talks about he got an award dinner for the off, the off the council for having the same brush same broom for twenty five years um the same broom but it's had but it's had twelve different heads and seventeen different handles <laughs> so it falls the same question: is it the same broom at the end of the day so if we try and hold ourselves to a previous identity, this is going to restrict the future and it it really got you thinking again said it before, but what was hard in this book was to keep reading, not because it wasn't interesting. It was because I had to put the book down to actually think about the point that was being delivered because it really got you thinking. Being reminded of how we acted and what we thought is stopping children growing. This also applies to adults too. Anyone who's watching this on YouTube, I'm apologised for the light. The light is coming through the bedroom window, straight into the the camera. Something I need to get better at, but persevere with it. It's the content, the content that matters. So briefly I'll discuss the, one of these, um, I'll go through some of these. So culture and consciousness, things that are literally false, metaphorically true. Um, cultural beliefs are often... Literally false, but metaphorically true. It gives the example of um, farmers in Guatemala who all planted on a full moon for the belief that it would help their crop. It would keep them away from disease. But we all know that it's a load of bollocks. Everyone planting on a full moon is not going to affect um, the crop. So it was literally false. But metaphorically, what happened was because Everybody synchronised the, the the crop. Everyone synchronised planting. Everyone synchronised harvesting the crop. Um, they created a giant clock when there was no concept of time. All the parasites that would have fed on the individual farms at different times couldn't obviously feed on everything at once. So it, it did actually stop the spread of disease among the crop. So there's there's it was metaphorically sorry what was I saying it was metaphorically true and he gives loads more examples of these things and you just thought I don't, it's not something I would have would have thought of he talks about astrology I'm I'm going to leave that one for you to read the book because astrology is a load of bollocks in it reading your horoscope however it's another example of something being literally false but metaphorically true depending on where you were born. Again it's a astrology is just a clock in it, it's just a, a way of creating time. So I'm gonna leave you with what he talks about in the last chapter. He does discuss COVID because they were writing this book during the epidemic happening. I mean we're still feeling it today, aren't we? In January twenty twenty two. But he talks about this this The fact that the world is moving too fast for us to adapt to it. COVID from the point of view of the authors, Heather Haying and Brett Weinstein, I'm not educated enough to comment on this, but I'll tell you what the view was and you need to read this book. So COVID is a product of technology. If we were all still outdoors, COVID would not exist. If we were outside, Covid cannot exist. in the air, outside. It's a zero capacity to transmit outside. So COVID is a product of the buildings, of planes. It's a product of the environments that we live in now, inside, in offices, in office blocks, in air-conditioned office blocks, in houses. And I'm not saying I know what the answer is. I'm going to let you read the book. But it's interesting that, yeah, this has come along. If we lived outside, then COVID would not be a thing. So the final chapter, the fourth frontier. We expect growth as humans, as Homo sapiens. We expect growth as... Um, But for things to be in perpetual motion, to keep moving, to keep growing, is absurd, as they discuss in the book. Um, It's finite. There's finite resources on this planet. So it simply cannot happen. Things that are in perpetual motion keep, keep fueling money. It gives a good example of, especially we use the example of Apple. Um, Every couple of years, they bring out a new laptop. They decommission the old ones, the old software. So once you've had a, a Mac or an iPhone for a few years, generally, it can't work. And you need a newer model. They discuss that, why that is a thing. If your laptop lasted forever or the example you use in the book is the fridge lasts forever then that has a knock on effect that would affect industry, that would affect commerce that would not be sustainable for the western the weird western civilization to to carry on highly highly recommend this book Um, challenging Definitely, definitely challenging, but so interesting. So many bits and bobs in it that you can immediately just go, I'm going to look into that more. It was it was probably the, one of the books of last year that I read, most interesting books of last year that I read. Um, so yeah, go and read it. Hunter Gatherer's Guide. the 21st century. Apologies if you're watching on YouTube. The light was a nightmare. Um, If you are listening to the audio version, leave us a review. Share it with other people. Like it on YouTube. And we'll see you next time. Take care.